Well, I like to read books, and uh, one of the books that I read not too long ago was a book by one of my favorite people, and that person is Condoleezza Rice. Anybody know who Condoleezza Rice was? Served, yeah, served, served in the State Department, served all kinds of ways. She's now, a, I don't know, she's out on the West Coast uh, serving in a uh, university, if I understand correctly. But she wrote a book called Extraordinary, Ordinary People. I like those kinds of books. You know, I like to read about people because they inspire me. At least the right kind of people inspire me and help me to live a better life, or I hope they, they do that. Hers was about her childhood in Birmingham, Alabama, and it was very moving for me because it was a, it was a detail of, of uh, times that I lived through and times that I saw and got some perspective on from my own life and my own relationships with people. Uh, she grew up in the time of the uh, civil rights movement in Birmingham. She knows exactly what that's like, and she has written uh, this book about those days, but in particular, she's written it about her parents because her parents were, in the estimation of most people, you know, ordinary people. But she looks at them in retrospect, and she thought at the time, these are extraordinary people. Maybe not known by a lot of people, but that isn't what you make, makes you extraordinary. It's the impact you have on individuals and on groups of people, and they had a major impact on her life and on the people around them. Uh, they taught her to uh, not, not to hate in that time in which there was lots of reason to hate, but to love. They told her to work hard, and they lived that out by example. They told her and lived it out to help other people in the midst of life, and she's dedicated herself to that purpose, and she might want to grab hold of that book and read that book. They were ordinary people, but they, they were in a very real sense extraordinary and she will say, and they would say if they were alive today, that they were extraordinary because they were related to this book, and they were related to the Savior who comes forth in this book. That's how they lived their lives, or the best they could. They didn't do it perfectly, obviously, but they tried hard. This book, I, I mean, it's just filled with extraordinary people, very ordinary people, sometimes embarrassingly ordinary by the mistakes they make, which, you know, to me, that they're even in the book is a testimony to the reliability of the book because most books that are writing about extraordinary people or your heroes, they don't give all the downside of the picture. Well, this book does. And so it's filled with all kinds of people that you can look to and say, oh, yeah, I can, I can relate to that and I want to relate to that. And yeah, and you can live your life with those kinds of uh, examples in front of you, people like Hannah and, and people like uh, uh, Noah and Gideon, and Dorcas, and I think the last time I was here, or sometime, maybe in June, I talked about Daniel. He's, he's one of my favorites for the 21st century because of the circumstances in which he lived his life. But my favorite of all times is another, and that favorite of all times, characters in the, in the, in the Bible, is a man named Joseph. I think he's my, my favorite because we get such a long look at his life, about 100 years, so we get a look at his life from when he was a young man all the way until the time when he dies. And, and what we see, because the Bible is honest about his life, is we see lots of ups, but we also see maybe more downs than ups, because that's the kind of picture that was uh, honest about his life. And so that's what the Bible tells us about his life. When I first began to look at this man, Joseph, he reminded me of a game that my friends and I used to play up in upstate New York, Washingtonville, New York. It was called King of the Mountain. 
<laughs> you, you, know that, you know that you've played that game, haven't you? You're still playing that game. Yeah, yeah, to some extent, yeah, to some extent. In fact, isn't that, isn't that in part what that MBA is about, to get up that mountain? And isn't that in part what that GPA in high school is about, to get to that college which takes you up that mountain? And, and isn't what that promotion in that corner office, and isn't what that, that, that child is? And, and isn't, isn't that what your dreams are all about, is climbing up that mountain? You know what that mountain is all about. Somebody's on the top of a pile of dirt. Well, we're not talking about dirt when we talk about the ones that we climb. But when I was a kid, it was a pile of dirt. But everybody else wanted to take your place on the top of the pile of dirt, and they knocked you down. You worked your way and you scrapped your way all the way to the top and then only to find that somebody else was stronger than you, got the edge on you, and they pushed enough so that you went down. Well, the reason why Joseph is so interesting for me is he's constantly doing that. And, 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 and what's valuable for that, from, from that for me in living my life as a, a man in the 21st century is to see how his character is revealed because that's, what's, that's what happens at every level, whether you're you're fighting your way to get to the top, or you're, you're on the top, or you're, you're recovering from being knocked down, what's happening is that character is being revealed. You know that as well as I do, and that's why he makes such an impact on my life. That's true with Joseph, and it's true with us. And as a result, I want to take the time this morning to look at Joseph play a little bit of King on the Mountain. And the place where I want us to do that is in Genesis 39. So if you have a Bible on your phone or you have your Bible with you, that's fine. Whatever you have with you, you take it out if you would. And you can turn to Genesis 39. You may want to even underline some things. If I can find Genesis 39, I'll turn there myself. I'm just going to read the first six verses. They'll be on the screen so you can look at them as well. 39, chapter uh, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. The food he ate, <laughs> you know. You want to knock a guy off, you give him the food that he shouldn't be eating with poison in it. So Joseph has everything except this one area, obviously, to protect Potiphar. But he starts at the bottom, and you get some sense of that when you come to the first verse and the passages before that that I didn't read to you. And Joseph makes a decision in the beginning of his trek going down to uh, Egypt, and even before that, and that decision is key to what he's going to be and what he's going to become. And that decision is, I'm not giving up. If you're trying to climb the mountain, there can be no decision that's more important than that, is I'm not giving it. I am in this, and I'm not giving up. This is where I'm going to stand, and I'm going to give myself to get there. 
And that's Joseph's decision. And you can see that because Joseph really starts at the bottom of the heap. He is the youngest of a group of boys, and you know that that may not turn out right because he is the runt of the litter. He is favored by his dad, and not only is favored by his dad, but he rubs that into the face of his brothers, and that does not bode well for him in their treatment of him. Not a good start. And so his brothers are jealous of him, and they hate him. And in their hatred, they catch him out in the field one day, and if you know the story that comes before chapter 39, you remember that what they do is they are going to kill him, but one of them has the wisdom to say, no, we shouldn't kill him. We're, we're going to get caught if we do that, but let's sell him to traders. And so they beat him up, and they put him into a pit until the traders come along that were naturally traveling from up to the north uh, east down along the Mediterranean Sea to get into Egypt, and that's exactly what they do. And they sell Joseph, their brother, to those traders, and those traders take him down into Egypt where they obviously you thought trafficking was uh, new. No, trafficking is not new. This is exactly what happened in the day in which Joseph lived, and he is sold. And Joseph has every reason to say, I, I can't win. It's at this crucial point that he says, I'm not giving up, but he has every reason to say, I, I just can't win. I come from a dysfunctional family. I've gotten myself into the pit that I'm in. I, I am, I am a, a, a slave to a family in Egypt who has no interest in me except to use me and to take what they want. And I am a foreigner. I have no claim to the land of Egypt. I have every reason to give up. Every reason to give up. So what do you do when you have every reason to give up, but you're down at the bottom of the hill? Well, Joseph gives us a guideline to it. He makes two decisions. Watch his two decisions. One of the decisions he makes is he's going to place his trust in the living God. Now, if you go back to that chapter, and let me go back for you, you will find that there is all kinds of fruit that comes from his life, both in his own uh, and in Potiphar's life, because he decides that he's going to trust God. Listen to the way it gives it. Verse 2, the Lord was with Joseph, and that's the beginning of the, the, the narrative, so that he prospered. So the result of his being with Joseph was that Joseph prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw, listen again, that the Lord was with him, somehow he could see this, and the prospering came and overflowed to the hands of Potiphar. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him, who gave him success? Well, somehow Joseph is giving this message to Potiphar. The Lord was giving him success because he couldn't see that otherwise. In everything he did, Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes and became his attendant. So he moves up the ranks and he begins to move in the direction of taking places of favor. And that's what happens in the life of the man Joseph. And that's what happens in the life of the man or woman normally if indeed he's walking with God. You see the fruit of that as you look in those first few verses. Some of that fruit now, obviously, is material blessings. Great stuff. Big paycheck. Promotions in the system. Respect from people who are below him and above him. Great. Great when it comes. Listen. The visible is so easily shifting. You know what that's like. You were here in 2008. Lots of you were. And you paid the price, and you know what it was like for a faulty system to fail you. Yeah, maybe not your fault, but still fail you. So what we have to do is we have to be very careful when we look at the blessings of God and not focus on those things that are most obviously uh, in front of us and that are the material side of the picture of the blessing of God because those come and go. And what we find with Joseph is they continue to come and go. They don't stay. They don't stay. 
So what you have to look at likewise is the, what I would call the not-so-obvious blessings of God that come into his life. And most of those are related to character. They're related to character. As he makes his decision, I'm sticking in there, and I'm not leaving this, and I'm not giving up. Then God begins to build some character traits into his life, and things like faithfulness and honesty and patience come in spite of where he started out. And all of that speaks of his relationship to God, and God's speaking back to Joseph because Joseph has committed himself to walk with God. And so what happens in this, and this happens so often, not always, but, but so often, what he brings is, he starts as this natural climbing up the ladder of success. Why? Well, because those are the character traits that bring you success in most cases, faithfulness and honesty. Not by stepping on people and taking advantage of people, but by doing his job. And so he's just naturally recognized, and it goes that way, and he moves up the ladder, and he continues to go up the ladder. No question that those behind the scenes, developments in his life, character, are the most important because they're the ones that won't fail him. The others will disappear, and they will, and they do. But not that. You place your trust in the living God. And then what else? You work hard. Now I'm reading between the lines. I know I am. I, I, I get that. You don't see that directly stated in the text, but it's inferred. It's inferred that he worked hard and it was recognized and he worked hard because he belonged to the living God. He had his strength and he had his direction, so he worked hard. I mean, the two are following one, one after the other. If indeed you're learning faithfulness, you don't take advantage of the boss. You work hard, and that's exactly what he did. I, I don't know. Most of the time when I've seen people prosper, and there are exceptions, I, I get that. I understand that. But I can't live my life on the exceptions. I have to live it on the, the rules that normally follow. And the normal follow is that if I work hard then, and, and I, I, I begin to learn the lessons that God has, has for me, then I begin to move up, and I begin to increase in terms of place of, of, of influence. Now, for a lot of us, that, that turns into workaholism. I, I get that. I had some of that. It, it works it, it, into too many hours. I, I get that. I've had that too. I've had the same problems that you've had. I've had them in a different sector than maybe you've had them, but they're the same problems. The job becomes the idol, and I, I put all my strength into that so I don't have strength for the other priorities of my life. Get that. Understand that. But most of the time, if I'll work hard, God will reward that, and I'll begin to move along in the process of success. Going up the mountain, what would I call Joseph? I'd just use one word. I'd say faithful. Faithful, that's what he is. It starts out with nothing, but he's faithful to what he has, and he continues to move along and grow. It's a character development issue. It's a trait that builds in his life because of the way he responds to his circumstances in the power of God. Okay, Okay, now what we see is Joseph is getting to the top of the mountain. He's, he's really on the top. He's seeing success. He's seeing promotion. He is king of the mountain. And what happens when he becomes king of the mountain is a whole new test of character. It really is. whole new test of character when he gets to the top of the mountain. It's easy to think that when the tough times are there and we're struggling to get ahead, that the temptation is the hardest because we want to cut corners and, and we want to find another way to do it other than the legitimate way to get there. We, we're tempted to scratch eyes out. We're tempted to give up. We're tempted to walk on people. We're, we're tempted to take advantage of people and all that because we want so much to get up on the top. But I really think that when we get to the top, it gets harder. It gets harder because now I've got something 
and I'll do anything to hold on to it. Or I've got something, and I'll do anything to make it larger. Why? What are the characteristics that invade my life when, when I'm on the top of the mountain or I'm really succeeding? And some of you are really succeeding, so you want to listen in carefully because I know what I'm talking about. I've really succeeded, and I know where these come from. One of them is ego. Uh, ego. Ego says, I, I, I'm, I'm the best, and I'm going to be the best, and everybody's going to recognize me as the best. Listen to what Joseph did. Verse 6, I didn't read this portion. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had with Joseph in charge. He did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. I did read that portion. It was about Potiphar, and the only place that's reserved from Joseph's care and protection is the food that he ate, and that's because of the problem that I mentioned before. You think that didn't touch his ego? You think being recognized and seen in the, in the household of this man Potiphar wasn't, wasn't a temptation for him? Oh, of course it was. To take advantage of the people below him, that wasn't a temptation? Oh, sure it was. You've been a manager? You know what it's like to take advantage of people? Sh sure you do. Yeah. You've been the king on the mountain. You know what it's like to, to scratch and do everything you can to stay there? Yeah. Because that stuff, boy, that becomes a juice to my soul, and I just want more and more and more of that to keep my ego afloat to where it's gotten to at that point. So ego is one thing. It's within us. Second thing I couldn't help but think about was the issue of greed. You get to the top of the mountain, feels so good. It is so good. I got so much. And that somehow, strangely, I'm not satisfied with that. I want more greed. I don't think I've told you about the, the monkey trappers in North Africa. But the monkey trappers in North, North Africa will take a gourd and they'll cut a hole in the gourd and they'll put food in the gourd that monkeys would be attracted to. And they'll hang the gourds from a tree. And where will the monkeys go? Well, they'll go to the gourds because they can smell it. And they want it. And they want more of it. And more of it. And so the monkeys will put their paw right down into the hole that's created in the gourd to get a hold of the food. And they'll put them down in there. But you see my hand like this. It goes in like this, but it doesn't come out like this. It goes down in because it's slender. But when I get the stuff in my hand, I can't get it out. I have to let go of what I have. And so I grab that, and I grab that food, and, and I take my hand out of the gourd, but I can't get it out, and so I wait, and the trappers get me. That's exactly how it happens. Can you imagine? Yes, you can. You know exactly what that's like, don't you? It's very difficult to let go. It's, even if it makes a world of sense, it is very hard to just go and let it go. It's greed. And it's waiting for us at the top of the mountain. It's there before that, I understand. But it's especially there at the top of the mountain. And the third is the enemy. The enemy of God's kingdom that we have respected as we've gone up on top of the mountain, the enemy now sees us as prime target. Because if the enemy can take us out, if he can wipe us out in a place of influence, ah, you know what happens when leaders fall. So the combined effects of pride and greed 
And the potential of what your failure can accomplish for the kingdom of darkness makes you one big target when you're on the top of the mountain. Be careful. You're on the top of the mountain. People are watching, and so is the enemy. And what he wants more than anything else is to take you out. So Joseph becomes number one target in town. Number one. If the enemy can make him fall, he has done something very, very powerful. Recognize that Joseph is likely one of the very few worshipers of Yahweh in Egypt. There can't be many of them. Maybe some of his family, maybe other friends who have come down, but not many. No, that wasn't a part of the religions of Egypt, and so he was one of the few. He is in a place of incredible influence for good for many, many people because people survived during the famines because Joseph is there. So if the enemy can make Joseph fall, oh, he can accomplish so much. So the enemy works through the natural desires that Joseph has, and they are natural, and he, 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 he tries his hardest to get Joseph to, and here it comes, sleep in the wrong bed. And if he can get him to sleep in the wrong bed, then he's a traitor to his, his, his leader, Potiphar, and Potiphar will not stand for that. And so the temptation becomes sleep in the wrong bed. And the second character trait comes out. He is not only faithful, but he is also pure. That seems like such an old-fashioned word, doesn't it, in the world we live in? Oh, brothers and sisters, it is so much what we need. In fact, when you begin to think about the position of this man and the trouble he gets into because he won't give in, I would change that from pure to pure at any price. Joseph knows what can happen if he doesn't satisfy Potiphar's wife, but he also knows what will happen if he satisfies Potiphar's wife's demands, and then that gets back to Potiphar. He knows, and so he says no. He says no, but unfortunately in leaving that place, and he says no repeatedly, but one time especially, he says no, and he runs away as he should, and he leaves his jacket, his coat behind. And when he leaves his coat behind, then Potiphar's wife has a way to get at him, and so she brings it to her husband. And Joseph, Joseph begins the slide. But it's still purity at any price. It's his job at the very least. It's his life at the most. You have to ask yourself, what kind of price would I pay for purity? And you also have to ask yourself, what kind of price will others pay if I don't draw the line and hold it there? I have a coin in my pocket that you can't see. It's an Eisenhower dollar. Uh, it's big. It's big because I fear that a smaller coin, I'll grab it and spend it someplace. But I keep this coin in my pocket, and I've kept a coin in my pocket similar to this for a long time, because someplace back in seminary, I can remember Gordon McDonald telling us that there's always going to be somebody who, because of your position as a leader, will tear you down or want to tear you down. And it will usually come to sleeping in the wrong bed. So somewhere along the line, somebody probably gave me the idea, but I got the idea that I'm going to carry this coin so that every time I put my hand in my pocket, there's that coin. It's a reminder. Because it says, if I fall on the heads, my family goes with me. That's right. And I need to remember that. If I fall, the tails I've designated to mean, my church goes with me. 
And if I fall around the edge of the coin, which I can handle in my pocket anytime I want to and be reminded, the world that's looking for an honest pastor, honest Christian man, whatever I am to them, honest friend, that world goes with me. And I'm not willing to pay that price. But I have to be reminded. And you may say, oh, that's a silly way to do it. Might be for you, but it works for me. Like, if you tell me you want one, I'll get one for you. Not, wives, I'm not getting it if you tell me, only if the guy tells me. Okay? We laugh at that, but we know the damage. We know the damage. And what we need are more men and women. What we need are more men who will say, at any price, any price, I will maintain purity because I belong to the living God and I've got people depending on me and I am not going to turn my back on them. Yeah? Yeah. So purity. Faithfulness, purity. Well, let's look at him as he's pushed off the mountain because that's what happens next. <laughs> you know, Potiphar's wife gets the word in and we find that when we get to chapter 39, verse 20, Potiphar's taken her side. Obviously, what else is he going to do? Joseph's master took him and put him in prison on the place, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. So there he is, down coming off the mountain, down at the bottom of the mountain again. You say, that's not fair. I understand that's not fair. That's not fair that men bowed and kneeled next to the Mediterranean Sea. And I think I mentioned this one other time, but it sticks in my mind because it's the most visible reminder I have in those orange jumpsuits. And, and to a man, they said, I will not be disloyal to Jesus Christ. They were at the bottom of the mountain and their heads were lopped off as a result. It's not fair. Gotcha. One of the primary lessons we tried to teach our kids all through their lives was lots of unfairness happens. So get used to it because lots of things are not fair in life. Yeah, God protects you from some of those things. He doesn't protect you from all of those. And so you lose your job when you shouldn't lose your job. And so your spouse walks out on when she shouldn't or he shouldn't walk out on you. And, and, and so your friends turn away from you. And I know that's not fair, but that's life. So what we need to do is recognize that and deal with that. A lot of you responded to me in another place where I shared the message to Psalm 44 message earlier in August because you had been through the same kinds of times where you were more discouraged than you thought you could ever be and you thought at the time, boy, that's not fair, and I agree, that's not fair, but that's life, and I'd better get used to that because that's the way it is when I play king on the mountain. But what, what I want to see here is what's Joseph's character trait on the other side of the mountain, and it has to be the word trust. I don't know any other one that fits better than that. Here he has fallen down from the position. He's in jail. He's incarcerated. He never knows if his head is going to be taken off until the moment when it happens, though it doesn't happen. He knows it could happen at any time. So what's he doing? He's trusting the God that he trusted when he was at the bottom of the mountain before. When he had to climb up the mountain, he's trusting the God. That's all he could do. What else can he do but work hard and trust God? There's nothing else that you can do except those things. And that's character. But now he has no reason to be discouraged. Got that. Understand that. Sure he does. He doesn't deserve this. But he decides because of character he's going to trust God and do whatever he can do. Do the right things wherever he can do the right things. But he's on the bottom of the list. And I say, yeah, I know he's on the bottom. 
That's the way it is. That's when character comes out. Because Joseph knows that he doesn't have the full picture. He believes that God's going to work it out to his glory, and that's going to be good for Joseph, and so he's going to stick there and do what he has to do. There's a wonderful promise in the Older Testament that I don't know if Joseph had this or not. I, I guess he didn't yet because it hadn't been written yet. But Deuteronomy chapter 29, 29 is a wonderful promise in my mind, in my life. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. <laughs> you know, I'm responsible for the things I get and I understand, but I'm not responsible for the things I can't control and they're not in my lot. God has to deal with those. And there's about three million of those compared to the ones that I understand. And the ones I understand are like this, but the ones I don't understand, they're like this. And it's not only the truths of the Bible, it's occurrences in life. And so what I need to do is I need to begin to trust again. You say, oh God, I'm trusting. I'm not condemning myself. I'm not at the bottom because I did something wrong necessarily. I just trust him because you're the one who's trustworthy. And so I can trust you. I can trust you for the reasons why, and I can trust you for the results. And I'll do what I can towards those things. Sure, of course, I'm not going to sit back, but I'm still going to trust you in the midst of it because I know I can't control everything. You're in high school today. You can't control everything. There's all kinds of things going to happen. But you decide I'm going to trust God. I'm going to do the things he told me to do, and, and, and then I'm going to trust him for the rest of them. You're in, you're in business, and you're, you can trust God. And you know as well as I do that there's a ton of things you can't control. Of course there are. we got grandkids. It would kill me if anything happens to my grandkids. I can't control that either. I can't make sure nothing will happen to them. i got to trust God. So that's Joseph's story. Faithfulness. You know, just knows what he's got to do and he goes and does it. Makes a decision that he's going to be a a man of integrity, purity, and that purity will come at any price. I don't care what it costs me. I'm going to remain pure. And if you need a coin, I'm serious. Give me your name, I'll get you one. I'll be back sometime and I'll have the coins with me. You won't find these unless you go to find them in a bank that's got them. Most of them don't have them. I had to travel around to find these things. I'm just about out of them now because I give them out to friends who need to have something to remind them because it's a it's a treacherous day to live in. And there's lots of cultural influences that make it a treacherous day. But when the end comes, God's going to ask me, Peter, what do you do in that day? If I can get you a coin, I'd be glad to. And then trust God. Trust God. I don't know, maybe there's one of those spots that you need to stop and, and you need to decide, hey, I'm at this point in my, in my hill experience. And this is what I need to evidence in my character. And, and what's more, I need to tell my wife that. Or I need to tell my friend or my husband that. I need to tell somebody that because I want them on, on a regular basis to say, how you doing with that? Yeah, I can hide and maybe I'll succeed all by myself. But most of the time, I need to share that with somebody I can trust. Won't take advantage of me. Won't badger me. Won't be looking at me all the time as if I'm weird. Well, just ask the question, how are you doing with that? And if you get a coin, you can get your own. Got that coin in your pocket? That's what I ask my friends. Got that coin on your bureau? Yeah? Got that coin, on, is it on your desk? 
Is it in your kitchen? Got that coin? Purity at any price? Yeah. Trust God in the midst of it. You may want to go get a cup of coffee, take a walk. Just think about this. Let, let it simmer a little bit. Then come back at quarter of 12 for communion because that'd be a great time uh, to seal it with God and to say, God, I, I got to do that. <laughs> I know where I am in the climb up the hill, but, but I got I to gotta, I gotta drive this stake in the ground because when I drive this stake in the ground, it gives me something that I can remember and say, yeah, on, on uh, August 30th, uh, 2015, I drove a stake in the ground that I would be pure at any price, and, and I know that's not going to be easy, but boy, I am going to do it, and, and here's where I seal it. And you take the cup, and you take the bread, and you say, Jesus, you drove a stake in the ground. In fact, they drove stakes into you. The least I can do is to say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live by this. If you can't come back, I understand. That's okay. But if you can, do it. Let it soak into your soul. Ask God to make you a Joseph. Or if you want to change it to the feminine, Josephine. Okay. Whatever you need to do, now's the time to do it. Let's pray together, and then we're dismissed. You, you know where we are, Lord, and we're all playing the game. <laughs> to, to some extent, we're all playing the game. And we're not walking on people necessarily to get up to the top of the mountain or to stay there, though that may happen too. And we confess that. Just trying to be the best of what we can be. Try to take care of our family, live out our dreams. And so, Father, it's a part of life, and so we, we recognize that. But we also recognize the temptations that come along with it. God, we don't want to be caught. We don't want to be turned over. We don't want to be found out. We don't want to do the things that will give us the occasion to be found out. So, God, now seal this in the hearts of every man, every woman who's here, that we might decide that, yeah, this is for me, and I'm going to live like that. By the power of the living God, I'm going to live like that. Thank you for what you're going to do in our lives as a result, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.